five. Wow. That was a fun time, I'll tell you. But that uh, toilet scrubbing was. <laughs> Just tell you. But anyway, um, kind of the last few weeks, Pastor David has been talking about the book of Job and life's challenges. But today I am going to change up the topic a little bit. And since today is um, Youth Sunday, I wanted to try to answer a question I hear from kids I go to school with. Um, at first, the question seems simple, but it's really hard to answer. Um, what is the question? The question is, why should we believe in Christianity and not any other religion? I've had conversations with people about this question, and people have asked me, why do I believe in Christianity and not any other religion? Um, and other people have also asked me, why should they believe in Christianity and not any other religion? Many people view Christianity as a religion, but it's not. Christianity is a relationship with Christ, and I proclaim to have a relationship with Jesus. First, let's talk about truth. There's absolute, there's absolute truth and relative truth. What's the difference? Wikipedia says absolute truth is always true, no matter what the circumstance is. It is a fact that cannot be changed. For example, there are no round squares. There are no circle squares. Relative truth is truth. That changes depending on the person's understanding of the subject or own opinion or opinions. For example, tacos are better than pizza. Hamburgers are better than hot dogs. Now I'm gonna say this right to Pastor Brandon. Pepsi is better than Dr. Pepper. Uh, yeah, sure you do. <clears throat> the Bible is absolute truth. In John chapter 17, verse 17. Wait, yeah, chapter 7. Yeah, in John chapter 17, verse 17, it says, Jesus is praying for his disciples and says, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Do you know what the, what the most absolute truth is? John chapter 14, verse 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We know the Bible is the, the inspired word of God. So whatever it says is true. But truth doesn't equal believing. How can we truly believe what's in the Bible? Two reasons I'm going to talk about today is prophecies and eyewitnesses. The Old Testament was written a long time before Jesus was born, but there are many prophecies told in the Old Testament that were later fulfilled or actually happened in the, in the New Testament or Jesus' time. I looked up some stats about prophecies. Um, so 27% of the Bible is predictive or prophetic. That means over one in four verses is prophetic. Let's look at some of these uh, prophecies. Obviously, we are not going to get to all of them today, but I'm going to talk about seven of them today. The first is Jesus is born a virgin. 
Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Every Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus and read about the event in Matthew. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they were married, married, Mary became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. The second one is Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says, Bethlehem, out of you will come for me, one who, who will be ruler over Israel. Again, at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus and sing, O little town of Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 2 talks about how King Herod asked the chief priests and teachers of the law, where is the Messiah to be born? They replied, in Bethlehem. The third is Jesus would be preceded by a messenger. The prophet in Isaiah chapter 40 talks about a voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness, telling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. John the Baptist proclaims to be that voice described in Isaiah, and God picked him to tell the nation of Israel about Jesus and to help him help people account Jesus as their Savior, accept Jesus as their Savior. He baptized people after they repented of their sins. He was quick to say in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, that after, after, yeah, after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He also said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. Later, John the Baptist even baptized Jesus. The fourth one is, Jesus would be betrayed by a close friend. Psalms chapter 41 verse 9 says, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. If you know much about the Easter story, you probably know who betrayed Jesus. Jesus came to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I keep saying that wrong. Anyway, for the Passover festival, knowing that his time on earth was coming to an end. They were sitting at the supper table when the devil prompted Judas to betray Jesus. After washing his feet, after washing his disciples' feet, Jesus told them, one of you is going to betray me. It is to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. He gave the bread to Judas. How would you feel if Jesus handed you that piece of bread? The fifth one is, Jesus' side would be pierced. The, prof, yeah, the prophet Zechariah predicts this when he says, They will look on me the one they have pierced. During Jesus' crucifixion, after he had died, a soldier pierced Jesus' side with a spear. The sixth one is, Jesus will be crucified. Psalms chapter 22 is a cry from David to God, 
asking, why have you forsaken me? Does this sound familiar? While, you were hang while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he cried out, why have you forsaken me? David goes on to say, they've pierced my hands and my feet. Jesus' hands and feet were nailed to the cross. David also says, I can count all my bones. And they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. When someone was hung on a cross, if they didn't die, they, the, the legs would be broken to speed up the process. However, when the soldiers came to Jesus, he was already dead, so they did not break his legs. Not one of his bones will be broken, scripture says. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, except the undergarment, which they decided by lot who would get it, thus fulfilling the prophecy. The final prophecy is the resurrection of Christ. Psalms chapter 16, verse 10 says, Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. We celebrate Easter every year. I'm so thankful that I serve a risen Savior. A popular song th that says, he's in the world today. I know, that, I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need, uh, him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. No other non-Christian leader was raised from the dead. Pastor Brandon wants to add a little thing there. So let's talk a little bit more about the prophecy part of this before Hayden continues. So, um, I don't know what the date is on this, but Profiter Emeritus of Science at Westmont College, Peter Stoner, actually sat down with um, 12 different classes representing some 600 students. And they calculated the probability of one man fulfilling the major prophecies made concerning the Messiah. Uh, the students carefully weighed all the factors. They discussed each prophecy at length and examined the various circumstances which might indicate that men had conspired together to fulfill a particular prophecy. They made their estimates conservative enough so that there was Finally, unanimous agreement, agreement even among the most skeptical of students. However, Professor Stoner then took their estimates and made them even more conservative. He also encouraged other skeptics or scientists to make their own estimates to see if his conclusions were more than fair. Finally, he submitted his figures for review to a committee of the American Scientific Affiliation. Upon examination, they verified that his calculations were dependable and accurate in regard to the scientific material presented. So, they first focus on, on Micah 5 2. How, how many of you think, what, what are the odds that one man would fulfill Micah 5 2? Um, that's a prophecy that, that Hayden already shared, talks about um, being born in Bethlehem. What, what are the odds that one man? would fulfill that prophecy. Anybody have, have any guesses? One in how many people? Nobody knows? Go ahead. I heard somebody say. Three million? So they, they said one in 300,000 was one prophecy. 
So then they did eight prophecies. Um, and, and again, they went through the same, same process. Anybody have, have any idea what that number would be? Anybody have any ideas? Anybody knows how many, how big that number would be? So I'm going to write it out here. So eight prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. So that's one. So that's 10 with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 zeros. So let's go back. Let's see here. I can, I can kind of do math, and that one's wrong. I was hoping our math guys would be here today, either Mr. Lashley or Craig, but does anybody know what that number is? Disregard that. I, I, don't, even, I don't even know. A gazillion, yeah. So then they took 48 prophecies. Let's just flip this over. So 48 prophecies being fulfilled by one man was one in 10 with 157 zeros. I'm not writing that number out. What are the odds that the Bible is absolute truth? What are the odds? So after that there, this brings me to my second reason. How can we believe the Bible is true? And that is eyewitnesses. The biggest eyewitnesses were the writers of the New Testament. Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascent into heaven was witnessed. Perhaps hundreds or even thousands saw him die. A man named Joseph and woman who had come with Jesus from Galilee saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Later, the women found that a stone rolled away from the tomb and told others. His disciples accepted Judas, except Judas saw his ascent into heaven 40 days after his resurrection. There are so many other eyewitnesses encounters of Jesus teaching and performing miracles. Two men were demon-possessed, and Jesus cast the demons into pigs. Those tending, the, tending to the pigs ran into town and reported to everyone what happened. Jesus healed lepers. Yeah, healed lepers. Matthew chapter 8 reports large crowds were following Jesus when a man with leprosy knelt down before Jesus and asked to be made clean. Jesus healed him. Luke chapter 17 reports 10 men had leprosy, met Jesus and asked to be, asked to be, yeah, and asked to be cleansed. He healed them. Funny thing is, only one of the 10 came back and thanked Jesus. I guess that'll be another sermon for another time. Jesus healed many diseases. He raised the dead, he restored sight to the blind, and made the deaf able to hear. Jesus fed 5,000 people 
with five loaves of bread and two fish. Later, he fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. This was only a day of big crowds coming to Jesus for healing. The disciples watched Jesus walk on water. Peter didn't really believe it was Jesus, so Jesus told him to walk on water to him. Peter about drowned because he had little faith, but Jesus saved him. Think of a time when you were a part of a big event that had that had, had an impact. Yeah, that had a big impact on you. Will you ever forget what happened? Isn't it a story or something that you want to tell tell everyone about, or at least your friends or a family member? This is what happened in Jesus' time. We must remember, these are not just stories, like in a fairy tale book. These are real events and encounters that actually happened and were witnessed by real people. And these people wrote it down or told someone else to write it down. And these four writings are the Gospels. Many religions have someone or something of a higher state of being. And in order to reach that person slash, slash object slash slash destination, it has to be done by the individual person. They have to be good people or do so many good works. At first, a person has to earn their salvation or position with Christianity. Jesus has already done the work for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Well, how about God made him who had no sin to be sin for us? So, so that in him we might become the righteous, the, the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He died on the cross for everyone. The blood he shed covered our sins, past, present, and future. All we have to do is confess Jesus is Lord. Believe he died, was buried, was resurrected, and is sitting at the right hand of the Father and will someday return. We need to admit we are all that, that we are all sinners by confessing and then repenting and asking for forgiveness. Worship team, you guys can come up back on up. Kind of in conclusion to wrap it up here today, we should believe in Christianity and not any other religion because the Bible is absolute truth. Everything that the Bible says about Jesus is true. But his birth, death, resurrection, it's all true. And any and everything that the Bible says is true. If you believe in, yeah, if you believe in Jesus, then you believe in the Bible. Because the Bible is the word of God. Jesus literally had his flesh ripped out of his body and his organs showing. He did it for you and for me. Isn't that awesome? This is why I believe that Jesus, yeah, this is why I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He died and rose again. And like I said earlier, it wasn't like a nice, fast death. It was a long and painful death. 
That is why I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for, for your word and truth spoken to us through us. You've never given us a reason to doubt who you are, and you won't stop now. If anyone hearing my voice right now is doubting the truth of who you are, God, I pray that you pull them into a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, I pray.